Before the crowds, all the attention and fame, they were just kids. It's the local play-by-play broadcasters that recognize their talents and their flaws. This is a look behind the curtain of the athletes that made it out and the local guys with ringside seats. You get an insider's view into what goes on behind the sports from local play-by-play broadcasters around the country. This is the Before the Crowds play-by-play podcast with Ken Keller. Welcome to the Before the Crowds play-by-play podcast. I'm your host, Ken Keller. Before the Crowds play-by-play podcast is a member of the Hefe Pods podcast network, a division of Glades Media. Well, today, part two of my discussion with Ken Levicka, the voice of the Florida Atlantic University Owls in both football and basketball. For as good as the episode that we had on Memorial Day, I believe this one is better because Ken has not one but two really gripping stories on things that happened to him live uh, during a play-by-play broadcast. Uh, The first one is when his signal dropped with one minute to go in the Elite Eight of FAU's historic run to the Final Four. And you're going to hear what happened and how he was able to get back on the air just in time to make his final call in what was the biggest game of uh, his career and in the in the program history at the time. And I believe that even for those listening to this podcast that have never done play-by-play, and I hope there are some of you guys or folks, uh, that uh, this is still a gripping story. For anybody that has done play-by-play, like myself and, and, and others in the industry that are listening, this is probably making them sweaty. The story will make their palms sweaty because this is something that has happened to all of us, albeit not uh, on a national level and not uh, at Madison Square Garden in New York and not in the biggest game in, in the program history of the team that you're covering. Uh, but it did to Ken, and he was able to keep his wits about him and, and get back on. You can hear all about that. Well, and then about 10 years ago, Ken was also involved in one of the strangest on-air rants that you're ever going to hear. And um, I was actually in the studio when this happened with uh, Dave Lamont uh, doing FAU football at the time with Ken Levicka as his uh, um, color analyst. And I was there and just remember thinking, this is nuts. What What's going on here? And then, of course, it went viral all across the country. And I'm happy to hear that Dave Lamont has, has you know, recovered from that. It, it, and certainly he's had a, a great career since then. And and that he and Ken share a, a very good relationship, you know, after this. But you're going to hear the story about what happened. And I promise you, whether you do play by play or not, this is an interesting story. And one that uh, was you can Google and you can listen to the rant yourself and hear, you know, what happened. I'm not going to put it on this podcast just out of respect for the industry in respect for Dave and, and Ken, who was still friends with Dave. But uh, you're going to hear the story behind it. And if you want to hear the actual rant, just Google Dave Lamont FAU football rant. I'm sure you'll be able to find it uh, easy enough. Um, so, you know. Two weeks ago, we had the first part. This this part is going to be better. And um, boy, Ken is a, a great play-by-play man. He's a great storyteller, and I'm excited for you to hear uh, this second part. So without further ado, here is part two of my discussion with FAU, Al Voice of football and basketball, 
Ken Lavica. So the inbound is going to come courtesy of Josiah Jordan James just to the backcourt side of the center stripe. Inbounds to Viscovi. Viscovi's not going to advance the ball. The clock takes down. Two, one. A lead eight for Florida Atlantic. And a late season for FAU. Results in a New York City party. The Owls are ready yet to go home from the Big Apple. Keep your hotel reservations for another couple of days. Not done yet, baby. Florida Atlantic beats Tennessee. 65. So you had something happen to you this year that you got national attention for. And as soon as I heard the story, I knew exactly what happened because this is the nightmare for every local broadcaster that doesn't have an engineering uh, uh, group with them. Your comrades went out in the final minute of the regional final game to go to the to the final four. I, I can't imagine the the sickness in your stomach that you must have felt when that happened. Take take us to that moment, if you would, please. Yeah. So, uh, and again, this is Madison Square Garden, and and I'll say this, Ken. Um, I don't know if there's anybody listening who's ever called a game there. It's cool to be at Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden is obviously, you know, it's got the history and it's the the apex of basketball, and it's right there in Manhattan. But as a facility. Boy, does it leave a lot to be desired. I mean, it, it, it shows when it comes to, to technology, it shows every bit of its age. And so I didn't have any issue, though, and everything was fine. But in a one-possession game with, with a minute 50 left to go, I get a text, and, and I got lucky. I, I had my phone on vibrate in front of me, and we're sitting courtside at Madison Square Garden. That's where the broadcast teams were set up. I was on, if you were watching that Elite Eight game, to the right side. Kansas State's broadcast was to the left side of, of the half-court stripe. And I feel my phone vibrate, and I just glanced at it because there was a stoppage in play, and it's the producer back in the studio in West Palm Beach saying, hey, you dropped. And you know this, Ken, and anybody who, who uses a Comrex knows, typically the troubleshoot to that is uh, – connect and you're good mm-hmm. um that didn't happen though and so for anybody who doesn't know what comrex doesn't use the comrex maybe you use a jk audio unit whatever the comrex uh it, it connects to an ethernet connection very simple very basic and you know that you have a stable line when a little icon at the bottom of the touch screen this little chain link comes together and you know that you have a solid, good internet connection, and you just can can, can connect to whatever ISDN channel uh, that you're connecting to. So I hadn't looked at that yet. So I press connect, nothing. Press connect, nothing. Press connect, nothing. So then after the third time, I'm like, I might have a problem here. Uh, the troubleshoot usually is to, after that, turn off. It's like the old school blowing your Nintendo, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Turn it off, blowing it, and restart it. You just restart the Comrex, and sometimes that will aid in the process. Turn it off, came back on after 20 seconds. I look, and that little chain link, nothing. It's, it is not connected. And I'm like, oh, man. So I look on the side of my Comrex where you plug in the Ethernet connection. Typically, you see a green and yellow flashing light to let you know that it's reading an Ethernet connection. Black. Nothing. And I'm like, uh-oh, this is an issue. So meanwhile, 
FAU and Kansas State are playing through this epic final two minutes of this game. And Mike Forrest is at the free throw line for Florida Atlantic uh, for pivotal free throws. And I am desperately searching for an Ethernet connection. So I ditch mine. I just toss it out of the Comrex, okay? To my right is Matt Norlander of CBS Sports, and then Andy Katz is on the other side of him. And so I asked Matt. He wasn't using his Ethernet cord. I'm like, Matt, can I can I use this? He's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. He didn't know what was going on, but he knew it wasn't good. So I grabbed that, plug it in, no lights on the side of my Comrex. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. So you know how like you roll through just the Rolodex of your mind if you've been doing this long enough. All right, what next? What next? What next? My reaction was to look under the table and see if something got kicked out. If my ether, if the Ethernet cord, the hub got kicked out. But it's Madison Square Garden. Like they don't have them just sitting under the table, right? It's coming from underneath the floor. So there was no way I was going to be able to find wherever the connection issue was here. So I'm like, Andy, let me try yours. Nothing. So now I'm freaking out. And at one point, I remember yelling out as Mike Forrest was taking a second free throw. I can't believe this is bleeping happening. I can't believe this is bleeping happening. Like just screaming into the floor, just frustrated. What saved me in this entire thing and what allowed me to take a breath is after Mike Forrest hit the second of his four free throws, ultimately at the end of that game, with just over a minute left to go, Kansas State goes the length of the floor in a, in a one-point game. Uh, or in a three-point game, and hits a quick layup and calls a timeout. This is with, what, like 37 seconds left to go, something like that. The time's probably wrong. But that 40-second timeout gave me the time to think a little bit. And what didn't help either is I, I texted the producer. I'm like, hey, what's the call in line to the studio? Just give me that, and I'll do this on the phone if we can't figure it out. At least I have something, right? It's not great. It's disappointing, but at least it's something. And he goes, oh, I don't know the number. <laughs> Wait, are you kidding me? What? Are you are you freaking <laughs> kidding me? And so uh, his name's Preston. He is really good at what he does, and I, I can't blame him because he's a part-time guy. He he does FAU. We've never been in that situation. He doesn't specifically work on that station. It's in a cluster. So I couldn't believe that the station didn't have the call-in number like in that studio just so he could reference it. Right. And part of that's on me too. Like I should always have that. I wasn't prepared either. So I'm like, and I felt badly and I apologized to him after this, but I texted him, get the bleeping phone number now. So he calls the he calls the PD while I'm trying to figure this out. He does text me the number. So I'm at least on the phone at this point during the timeout. I've gotten back on the air. That's a minor win, but Jesus, man, I'm closing in on FAU going to the Final Four, and I'm going to call this thing over a cell phone. What the hell? So the, there was a media row behind me, and uh, I think it was like Fox Sports and Outkick and whatever, and I look back. They're not using their cords. I didn't even ask. I was just desperate at this point. It's These Ethernet cords are taped to the table. And I'm like, hey, a venue as big as Madison Square Garden, I'd be willing to bet not all these connections are coming from the same hub. Maybe I've got a chance here. So I start ripping at this cord that's taped to the table. This poor media member is looking at me like I'm a psychopath. I'm sure I'm like frothing at the mouth, uh, just insane here. But I'm ripping at it, ripping at it, while holding this piece of radio equipment because I couldn't reach the ethernet connection couldn't reach to my table so i'm ripping 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 finally pull it up 
I plug it into the side of my unit during the tail end of this Kansas State timeout, and I see the green and yellow flashing lights, and the chain link icon is connected, and I'm like, let's go. But I couldn't bring the unit back to the table because the line didn't reach. So my buddy Theo Dorsey, who does TV sports on WPTV in West Palm Beach, I go, hey, man, you've got to hold this for me. So he's sitting there. He's holding this piece of equipment for me while I put on the headset. I'm on the air on the cell phone, and I'm trying to get the producer's attention where I'm not going to outright say, pot off the Comrex, pot off the Comrex. I'm trying to at least like keep some semblance of professionalism here. So I'm just making stuff up. I'm like, let's go ahead and bring up the main feed on the FAU Basketball Radio Network from Learfield. If we could bring up the main feed as Mike Forrest goes to the free throw line for two free throws, like trying to play this off as professionally as possible so that the layman thinks that I'm saying important radio things. And uh, he, he finally brings me up. We get the final two Mike Forrest free throws to make it a three-point game. I get the final Kansas State inbound into the steal that ended the game, and I get off the final call, and it was the the most stressful, near-disaster, miracle, Hail Mary, pull a horseshoe out of my backside I've ever pulled off in my career. My, my palms are sweating, man. I, I, I don't know if, like, the person that's not into broadcasting would... That was riveting. I mean, that's I felt like it was a psychological thriller movie that I'm watching here. Like, you're, you're trying to hack into the system before you're caught by the by the people that that's what listen i've been in not that situation not at madison square garden but i've had signals drop and i've had equipment not work and i would have gone to the phone way before you'd i would have given up punted just done it by the phone but i wasn't calling a team going to the final four either so um (laughs) kudos to you man that that that's incredible and i can't believe it worked out i'm so happy it did for you though yeah, I just that's the last place you would expect for anything like that to happen and um it was really, really, really frustrating, and I still look back at the lack of assistance I got from anybody at Madison Square Garden, and it does leave a really bad taste in my mouth um, for both the NCAA and Madison Square Garden, but you know what? It worked out, and uh, I what, what, what to me made the whole thing feel better was, one, I mean, obviously, I did get the final moments, the, the moments that mattered in the game over the air for the fans that first and foremost was the priority but fellow broadcasters and fellow media members they all even if they didn't fully know what was going on knew something was urgent and i i'm telling you like Andy Katz didn't have to be standing there asking me with 30 seconds left in the lead eight game, what can I do for you? Theo Dorsey didn't have to be sitting there holding equipment for me. His TV competitor and our station competitor was trying to help get me back on the air. Like the entire thing was just a community of media looking to help someone who is struggling within the profession. And that to me, Ken, was the most enriching part of all of it. If there's a silver lining that's like a silver platinum lining that my god i had so much support in the worst moment of my career and i still think about it as one of the 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 prime memories of uh, what was one of the greatest months of my life was in the 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 mud in the dirt and the crap that ended up being a wow like people really do give a crap about you and uh, they never met me and they helped me, and it was awesome. Take us through your emotions on the air, the final seconds of the San Diego State game. 
Um, and, and I'll be honest too. I um, I struggled with the way that game ended for a good two, three weeks. Uh, and I don't know. I, I still don't know if that's normal. And I'd be curious to hear from broadcasters whose team went down at the, the buzzer or in the final play of a football game, NFL, college, um, or, or lost with zeros and a, on a, a hockey goal or whatever. But I mentally, because you're, you care so much for these kids and for the program and you've been in it, I, I was home for two days in the month of March. We were on the road for the entire month of March from the end of the regular season through the Conference USA tournament, through the NCAA tournament, with this family. And to see them go down like that, it wasn't fair. They didn't deserve it. They had that game won 14 times over. I I struggled mentally for like three weeks after just thinking about it constantly. What if, what if, what if, what if. So... One, I couldn't believe it happened because FAU had won that game all year long. Every single time they needed to stop, they got it, they won. And I was stunned because Lamont Butler dribbled down the floor and did not have a plan. He did not he almost stepped out of bounds. Yeah. He did not have a plan. He just dribbled, dribble, 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 got to the baseline. Uh oh, what do I do? Oh God. He hadn't hit a shot all year from that spot on the floor and then hit it then. And so I was heartbroken. I I sort of blacked out. The one thing that stands out to me was the roar in that football stadium, 70,000 seats in the San Diego State side. I go roar. And it's even to what FAU had, but anytime you're in a 70,000 seat stadium and one particular section is exulting, it's going to sound like a college football game. And uh, that struck me first. Um, but subconsciously, and a part of my, my, my brain was telling me, don't go mute, don't go mute and don't blow this. They don't be unprofessional. Um, and so a long time ago, Tom Dore, the former Chicago Bulls TV play-by-play voice, long time, growing up in Chicago as a kid, Tom Dore is who I listened to him and uh, Johnny Red Kerr. Tom Dore, at a later part of his career, was doing play-by-play for a small cable network who happened to be broadcasting the early rounds of the Sun Belt tournament for a couple of years when FAU was in the Sun Belt. And I would sit down and talk with Tom Dore. And he would always – he told me two different occasions, and we would talk about a bunch of stuff, but on two different occasions he would tell me, hey, you're a home broadcast voice, but if the other team makes a big play against you – who are you? Who are you? How offensive is it to the profession if you're not getting excited in an exciting moment, even if it's against your team? Who are you to dictate the excitement level of something big that happened, even if it's against the team that you're calling games for? And that always stuck with me. And so for me, if you listen to the call, I'm definitely not excited, but I think I'm definitely conveying the emotion of the moment, not only for FAU and the heartbreak, but the the magnitude of the moment for what San Diego State just did. Because Tom Dore, what he said has always stuck with me. You can't pull a old school Chicago White Sox, Hawk Harrelson, and FAU loses and the season's over. Like, what is that doing? 
that doesn't that doesn't convey the moment. Um, that's that's a disservice to the listener because maybe there's non FAU fans listening who are like, why is the, and they don't know oh, the the fact that I'm aligned with FAU. Why does this dude sound like he's going to jump off a bridge? What is that? Um, so. I was heartbroken, but I also knew, dude, you have a job to do. You didn't play. Call it. Call it for FAU fans, but call it for the general public as well. And that's what that's what I, I did. So I was heartbroken. I literally sat at the table. I went to a break right away to start the post-game show after I finished the call. I threw my phone against the side of the table and just kind of sat there. I texted my dad. I can't believe that just happened. He replied back, it happened, but be a professional in the post game. And so I did. And uh, it was a really long, like two, three weeks after that. Wow. I did not expect that answer, but thank you very much. That was uh, that was great, great insight. Exactly why you ask a question like that, because I wanted to know the answer, and that, that was incredible. What did you think of your – you got a lot of national attention after this. and So what was that like for you? Um, I didn't love it, uh, but I'll tell you why I didn't love it. And you know me, I'm not shy. I'm definitely not one to turn down, you know, uh, spinning a tail about Ken Levicka, right? But um, <laughs> the last thing I wanted to do was take away, and I was very vocal about this, to FAU um, because I went to them for some help and some guidance because I'm telling you I had the, the game was Saturday night Saturday evening the game ended right around what 7:30 eastern time by 11 o'clock eastern time that Saturday night I had 75 media requests my goodness and the last thing I wanted to do is take away with my story of technical failure right away from the fact that Florida Atlantic was in the freaking Final Four and won that game at Madison Square Garden over the consensus most electrifying player in the NCAA tournament, Marquise Noel. The last thing I wanted to do was become something that might distract from the story of Nick Boyd and Nellie Davis and Giancarlo Rosado and Vlad Golden and Brandon Weatherspoon uh, and Mike Forrest and all these different guys. The last thing I wanted to do was become a sideshow. And I talked with Dusty about it because we went home briefly for a couple of days um, before we went to Houston. And Dusty's response was, what are you talking about? You're part of this story. That whole thing makes this story even more incredible. He's like, you don't have to do the interviews, but don't feel bad about it. And so that was the approach I took. I. I just I, I didn't love it, and, and, and it, at some point I don't like to say no. And this goes back to what we were talking about with with broadcast opportunities. I don't like to say no, but I'm telling you, Ken, it became too much by Monday. Yeah. Um, like I don't have a secretary. I don't have a sports information director. It was very hard for me to keep track of when I needed to make this phone call or this team's call or the zoom call or when they were calling me, how do I work it around my full-time job responsibilities and my part-time FAU job responsibilities and my family who's only seen me 48 hours in the month of March. Like how do I, how do I juggle this? So to be honest, I didn't love it. I appreciated all the support I got. I appreciated uh, everybody wanting to hear the story 
and hear what happened. And, uh, you know, uh, broadcasters love talking to other broadcasters about broadcaster things. Um, but um, I uh, I was glad when the, the media request, because this was going through Friday of the Final Four. I was receiving 12 to 15 media requests a day and then on site with media who were doing stuff from Radio Row, things like that. And I was glad when it finally when it finally tapered off because I I'm used to telling the stories. I'm used to doing the interviews and be the subject of of media interest was um, that that heavy a media interest on that stage. I will say it became a little bit overwhelming and a bit tedious. More to come on the Before the Crowds Play by Play podcast. Discover the exciting world of podcasts at hefepods.com. Immerse yourself in exciting stories. Learn new knowledge and connect with great podcasts in both English and Spanish at hefepods.com. From captivating stories to life advice and much more, there's a podcast for every interest and passion. Be entertained by your favorite radio personalities in both English and Spanish and explore great stories in every podcast. English and the hard-to-find Spanish language podcasts are all at hefepods.com. Don't waste any more time. Find a great English or Spanish language podcast to follow and discover a world of possibilities in your own language. Find the best podcasts at hefepods.com. So, knowing this... A little behind the curtain look here. I, I sent you a text. I, I th- believe it was like maybe the day or so before your Final Four broadcast. And I said, you know, you're living the dream. Congratulations. I did not expect a text back. I assumed that you were getting bombarded by, by everybody. You texted me back. You said, thanks, man. I appreciate it. We're going to get this podcast you know, taken care of. And I'm like... That that's the last thing I expected. So, hey, thanks for returning my text out of the yeah. hundreds that yeah. you got there. I appreciate. That. I feel well, honored. The problem is, Ken, and you know this. One of my biggest flaws, one of my most notorious flaws, is is getting back to people. And so, I at that point, you, you I remember when I saw your text, <laughs> and you called me at a good moment because I was on a golf cart being driven to the locker room once we got into uh, uh, Energy Stadium, and I just looked out on my phone and saw that you had texted and so I was like oh I, I, uh, I've got a couple of moments here to reply to some stuff but I'm telling you at the worst I was a good 150 to 200 text messages behind like I, I went to bed that Saturday night trying to stay on top of the media requests and the congratulations and the peach bowl that had reached out to me and by the time I woke up on Sunday morning around 6am 5.30am I had 550 text messages and I'm like Jesus man it's going to take me two, three weeks to dig out of this. So I, I did what I could, but there's still some people I'm sure I forgot to get back to because it's just, it was too much. It was it was entirely too much. So part of this this uh, this podcast is about stories that happen, and we you've already told us a million amazing stories here. You were part of one of the weirdest situations that I can never remember. It was 2010. Do I have that year right? 2010, FAU. It was, yes, it was 2010. Absolutely. Yeah, FAU versus Arkansas State. And you had a very interesting um, broadcast dynamic with Dave Lamont, who is a longtime broadcaster. He's been very successful. ESPN, ABC, uh, was doing FAU football at the time. And he had one of the biggest rants that I've ever remembered. Uh, the FAU quarterback got 
hit in the head when he's going into a slide. It should have been a penalty. It wasn't. And he went off. Take it from there. What that? What was that like for you to be in there and, and have him challenging people in the booth next to him, the fights and, and just yeah. all of that that went down? For, for those that maybe don't know what I'm talking about, maybe set us up and tell us what happened first. So um, we're at Arkansas State. This was a Saturday afternoon game at Arkansas State. Uh, and just to, uh, just to preface this, Dave Lamont, I think, is an exceptional person. We still have a very good relationship. He was the first play-by-play voice of FAU football uh, when Howard Snellenberger uh, birthed the program. Uh, I have nothing but love for the man. Uh, he knows that I've talked about this incident uh, publicly before, including my own radio show, so this won't be anything new to him. So I'll, I'll try and tell this story while also uh, you know, making sure that I'm, I'm showing proper respect to him, but there are dark moments uh, within this that uh, you know they have to be told to, to give context. So Dave had been, and I think part of the problem was he spread himself too thin. He did a Thursday night ESPN game. This was back when he was doing national TV on ESPN college football. He had done an Oregon like Cal game on Thursday night, okay? So he somehow found a way to get from Eugene to freaking Jonesboro, Arkansas for a Saturday 2 p.m. kickoff. Wow. Um, should he have done that? No. Did he do it? Yes. Unbelievable grind. Fantastic. This was in a time where when Dave was off on national assignment, I would do the play by play when he was um, when he was able to do an FAU game. I would provide the analysis. So I was covering the analyst portion of this broadcast. Um, I could tell that he was a little bit tired, a little testy, not like, oh, Ken, shut up while I prep, but just like, you know, short, right? Mm-hmm. And whatever, game's going on. FAU jumps out to a big, uh, to a double-digit lead, but then the fourth quarter starts, and it is uh, an absolute disaster. It is a cliff jump at this point, and FAU is cratering, and they immediately surrender a 14-point lead. FAU's trying to, to head down the field, tie it up with about seven minutes left to go, and Jeff Van Camp, the FAU quarterback, takes a snap, flushed out of the pocket, runs to his right, goes to slide, and he takes a shot high that causes his head to snap off the turf and he loses his helmet and Dave absolutely exploded um, so just to give you a little a little blueprint of, of where we were this Arkansas State press box there's the, the, the visiting radio booth but then it's a clear window that faces into um, the journalist portion of the press box so you've got three rows of journalists and everybody can see into the, the radio booth and the entire thing and so dave our windows are open in this press box and we're not talking about a huge football stadium at arkansas state we're probably what 35 feet over the field and dave lamont starts openly yelling not just loud for the broadcast but loud so that the officials might be able to hear him or at least the fans below might be able to hear him a hit to the head of the slide on a is a flag a hit to the head on a slide is a flag over and over he just keeps saying it over and over and over again and then starts yelling um it's a flag it's a flag like this is on the air ken and i i don't know i was i was embarrassed 
I was, to be honest, I'm still early in my career, frightened, intimidated. I'm seeing my career flash before my eyes. I stayed quiet through a vast majority of this because the one time I tried to interject and show Dave some support, he just cut me off and railroaded me. So I said, you know what? I'm going to stay out of this. Um, at one point, he sticks his entire upper half of his body out of the broadcast booth, and he is banging, banging on the table in front of him, banging, um, not open hand, but like fist, like angrily punching the table in front of him while yelling at the officials from the broadcast booth. It was at this point that fans below us in the second and even first deck are looking up to see where the maniacal screaming is coming from. And then uh, he starts calling out the commissioner of the Sunbelt Conference. Where's Wright Waters? Where's Wright Waters? Where's Wright Waters? Go find him. And, I mean, again, I'm early in my career, but even that, I knew at that time, uh-oh, that's not good. That's probably going to cost him some time. Um, it was at that point where he finally starts to calm down. He starts to calm down, but I, I'm looking at him, and he's, like, red. And his eyes, I... He was out of it. Um, he was seeing red, furious. And so, again, I'm just staying quiet during this entire thing. And at one point, he calms down. He takes a deep breath. He puts one leg over his other leg, just sort of, you know, a casual sitting position. He's in a, 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 a rotating chair, turns it to his right, to where I'm standing, looks at me, but then looks past me, and I look over to my right, and I realize every one of these newspaper writers, journalists, are looking into our booth, and their mouths are open. I mean, just wide open. Can't believe what they just saw. This, this furious temperamental explosion. Dave turns to his right, looks at them, and goes, I don't care what any of you think. I'll fight each and every one of you on the air. And at that point, I was just like, how do we even go from here? There was about four minutes left in the game. The craziest thing is Dave, like, at one point, he had some self-awareness, and he goes, uh, I may have lost my cool there, and I apologize, but that was a missed call. And then called the rest of the game as if nothing happened, which is one of the most impressive things I've ever seen in broadcasting because I know that I was close to peeing myself and pooping myself about 14 times during that ordeal. Um, and the game ended, and Dave packed up his stuff, and he said, because he had a rental car, so he was going to fly out separately. He's like, all right, guys, we'll talk to you next week. And he left. And it was at that point where I looked at the uh, engineer slash executive producer, and we both made eye contact because we were too scared to look at each other while this was happening. And we both just collapsed to the floor and were like, what in the hell was that? What just happened? And my immediate concern, and this is no joke, Ken, was telling the producer back in the studio, under no circumstance do you allow anybody who requests it to hear that. Under no circumstance do you allow anybody to hear that because Dave Lamont's going to lose his ABC ESPN job. My first thought was the well-being of Dave and his career because I knew that that was a 
terrible, terrible moment for him, especially the commissioner part. Broadcasters get angry. Some go over the top. It's not unheard of. But this was calling out the commissioner and then threatening to fight an entire media group. Like, all right, we've gone into some uncharted territory here. And I knew that the school wasn't going to like it. But my concern was that ESPN ABC wasn't going to like it. And so I told the executive producer, do not let anybody who requests it hear that until we get direction from management and from the school. Um, And Dave ended up uh, getting suspended the following week by FAU. Uh, ESPN ABC sat him for a couple of weeks, but then he was able to get back to work. I felt good about that. But then by the next year, because that was a major turning point, I think, with FAU and how much Dave was straining himself to commit to multiple responsibilities nationally and with the school, where the school just said, and, and you know, I think Dave wasn't thrilled with it, but he acted like a professional. He's always treated me professionally, where the school said, hey, we are going to give can this full-time gig because you know dave you've you've got these national ambitions and this this national footprint like you've got to focus on that and it avoids anything like we saw at arkansas state and so that's how i came to be ultimately the full-time fau football voice but um yeah it was not great and it was terrifying and for a young broadcaster at that point like myself I had never even expected anything like that could ever happen, especially from someone who has a national profile like Dave. I think he knew he screwed up in the moment, played it off like a professional, but I knew that there was going to be repercussions. And sure enough, you know, the power of the Internet by Monday of that week, it had started to leak. And and, uh, then, you know, FAU and ABC ESPN had to act on on Dave. But it was absolutely wild. I've never even come close to experiencing anything like it again, and I doubt that I will. That's an absolutely incredible story, and uh, I've I've heard it before, not to that in that detail, but uh, you know, thank you for for spelling that out. I mean, that was uh, just unreal. And he's still doing games right now, right? I mean, he's still in the business, isn't he? He's still in the business. He's been doing a lot of uh, uh, professional bowling. Actually, he is he has really carved out uh, some a, a a role for himself nationally with uh, with the PBA, and so he's still getting a lot of national work. And he's occasionally doing some some soccer work, I believe, at the USL level. And uh, yeah, so he's he he's still and and he's part of a, a very successful longtime uh, radio show on a rock station in South Florida. So no, Dave's Dave. Uh, it's it's not as it's much workload as he used to do, but he's he's definitely still still active in the business. All right. So before I let you go, Ken, you've given me so much of your time. Thank you so much. Um, this is called before the crowds, meaning guys that we've all covered before they went on to uh, to bigger things. At your level, you're already playing in front of a, you know broadcasting in front of some decent crowds. So you're seeing college level guys that go on to the pros. Who who are some of the guys that you saw at FAU or maybe somewhere else in other aspects of your career that went on to do big things that you had a relationship with that you uh, that you followed? 
Yeah, so uh, let's just start with FAU players. Uh, Alfred Morris uh, is probably the the first true star that uh, that I called games for at FAU, and I've kept uh, up with him and been able to keep in contact with him uh, a lot over the years. Seen him at several uh, Conference USA basketball tournaments because he lives in the Dallas area. FAU in uh, Conference USA had those tournaments at the Dallas Cowboys practice facility. The star, so Alfred, Alfred Morris is definitely up there. Uh, Trey Hendrickson. Uh, in fact, Trey and I uh, will will message each other occasionally. Uh, great story about Trey Hendrickson, um, who is so good with the Bengals, was so good with the Saints. Uh, after his final college game, I look in my Twitter DMs, and it is Trey Hendrickson, who we knew was was headed to the the NFL. He took the time an hour after his final college game to reach out to me and say, hey, thank you so much over the years for the interviews on the coach's show and for always calling my games. My parents love you and I love you. Thank you. Like, who does that? That's awesome. Right? Yeah. Well, Trey Hendrickson is, and I haven't seen him in a while, but he actually, uh, he went to FAU's first round game against Memphis in Columbus, and I was able to catch up with uh, with him, and I met his wife for the first time there, and then he was so hooked on the run that he came to Madison Square Garden for the Sweet 16 in the Elite Eight game, and uh, was able to see him there. So, uh, so really, really, really cool stuff. Um, Devin Singletary, I talk with Motor a bunch still, and uh, he's had such a great career for someone so undersized what an unbelievable college player and what an impact he made with the bills but as far as as uh, you know uh, other schools i i broadcast justin fields first ever start at ohio state uh just like i broadcast kyler murray's first ever start at oklahoma how about that so fau is the opponent at oklahoma week one kyler murray fau is the opponent week one at ohio state uh justin fields so uh i think that, that, that that's pretty cool and in case you were wondering it they both tore up fau so uh you could tell right there that those dudes were going to be real and that those guys had a uh, a lot Lofty, lofty future in front of them. I mean, FAU played Alabama twice uh, in, in my time at Florida Atlantic, and so countless wide receivers, Julio Jones, uh, tearing up FAU. And so uh, Auburn, FAU played at Auburn the year that they went to the BCS championship game against Florida State. And so what was cool about that is that Trey Mason was the Heisman Trophy candidate running back on that team. I called high school games for Trey Mason when he was at Park Vista High School school in Boynton Beach down here in South Florida. So to to know the Mason family and to call Trey's games, a kid that I've known since he was 13 years old, and um, I, I'm calling a game of his in his Heisman Trophy potential season, and this game was one week before uh, the craziness of that year's Auburn-Alabama game. Hmm. Uh, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's certainly one of the uh, one of the, the the cool moments that I look back on and I say yeah I feel very 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 fortunate to uh, have been able to uh, to do that so those are some of the more prominent examples both FAU and beyond of some of the guys that uh, I've I've called games for Ken you're the best man thank you so much for your time love talking with you and uh, and thank you for being a part of this podcast all the best to you Ken it's my pleasure thank you sir well, there you go. Uh, you know, part two of my interviews are always, you know, 
uh, bittersweet because uh, I'm sorry that they're done. You know, I invite you to go back and listen to the first part if you haven't yet. Um, I invite you to go back and listen to the past episodes of Before the Crowds Play by Play podcast. But uh, that that's a wrap with Ken Levicka and FAU. Uh, maybe someday we'll be able to get him back on to, and tell more stories. But I don't know how they can get much better than the two he told in that episode. Um, just uh, incredible. And, um, you know, Ken is, is extremely talented and, you know, his star is bright, but I also know he is extremely happy where he is as the voice of the owls. And I think by hearing that interview, you know why his relationship with the program, with the players, with the fans is special. And it, it makes what we do in play by play just, you know, worth it. Yeah, it's worth the hours. Uh, a lot of play-by-play is not certainly anything that's going to pay your bills. Um, it's something that we all do because we love it. Um, we feel that it's an important. And, um, you know, the, the relationships that you build with the coaches, the players, the administration, the program, and the fans uh, just makes it just so much fun to do and Ken exemplifies all of that and I think you heard it there when he was talking uh, you know, about his relationship with the FAU men's basketball team and I know he's got that same relationship with the football team and anybody else that he covers. All right, more to come in the next few weeks uh, on Before the Crowds Play-by-Play podcast. If you got any questions, any comments, reach out to me uh, on Facebook or on Twitter. You can look us up Before the Crowds and and find uh, and find me. You'll find the the logo, and uh, or if you want to email me, Ken at gladesmedia.com. Happy to uh, to you know read your emails on the air, answer any questions. I will definitely get back to you one way or the other. If you know or if you are someone that you think would make a good guest, by all means, reach out to me as well. Always looking for great stories behind the mic uh, with play by play. Until the next episode, I'm Ken Keller. Thank you for listening. This has been Before the Crowds Play-By-Play Podcast, a proud member of the Boss Pods Podcast Network, a division of Glades Media. If you like this episode, please tell your friends and follow Before the Crowds on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Before the Crowds. There you'll get extra clips not included in this episode, as well as updates on when new episodes are posted. If you have any questions or comments, message those accounts, and I will either message back directly or answer your questions on a future podcast. The Before the Crowds theme music is is written and performed by Lucas Braun of L-Dub Music. More episodes to come over the next few weeks. Until then, thank you for listening.